0: Yeah. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to our number two of the fastest two hours in talk radio. It's the Vinnie Eastwood Show on AmericanFreedomRadio.com five days a week. You can listen to the soothing sounds of researchers, doctors and uh, authors, radio show hosts, artists, bloggers, journalists, researchers of all kinds. Makes and models and political stripes right here on the Vinnie Eastwood Show. If you want me to interview somebody, you merely need to suggest their name and uh, find me their website or contact details or something of that nature, and I will try and get them. Without fear or favour, if you come on the air with me, I am here to make sure that it is fun, that you get to express your ideas, that you don't get interjected and interrupted. You know, this is this is kind of like... Taking a radio holiday, if you will, because we all do things very, very seriously. I know the information's important, but sometimes you do just want to take a wee bit of a holiday. So you drink a cocktail and you listen to the Vinnie Eastwood Show, have a few laughs, and enjoy the listening to really good information from incredible people, like my very special guest from Coming Through the Matrix, Alan White. Welcome back.
1: It's a pleasure, yeah.
0: how long have you been doing your radio show
1: uh that one i think seven years straight that one uh, on rbn uh and before that i was on a uh, lot well 98 so about 2004 back in six again with jackie on sweet liberty and i didn't intend to come in onto the radio actually i i just phoned in and, and uh uh, eventually she asked me on, so I, I went through the ancient histories and techniques and so on what was happening today. And, and, and then she says, why don't you write some books? And I said, well, I hadn't even thought about that either. Uh, and so I rattled a few off, um, a series cutting through, it was called One, Two and Three. Uh, and you can get that separately or or in one volume. And then I followed it up by another another book too, On Waiting for the Miracle. And I've got another three coming out in the next month or two. So um, I kind of fell into it, but I've, I've fallen into so many things like that too, because even in music, I, I'd always played music uh, from the age of 15, and I didn't really take what I did so seriously, even though I was on stage early, uh, in a few big shows. And I, I sort of drifted into it. Could, could you do some a session? Yeah, okay. Could you write the song? yeah, okay. But I, I, and I traveled across the world and so on, but I, I still thought, thought it wasn't real work because there was no sweat to it. You understand? That was the old British system in you too, your, your indoctrination. Uh, and uh, and so I kind of fell into things, and, and but I learned so much because especially when going across Europe, I found out... Uh, from politicians who would invite you back after a concert, because I did some classical stuff too on guitar. Um, and they would give you a meal, and you'd sit at the dinner table, and, and they'd chat away to you. And, and they knew that there was a complete amalgamation coming. I mean, they mean total amalgamation and eradication of the, the national countries under the EU. They knew that back in the 70s, I found that out, from a top person who, by the way, left is, is high up there, Uh, I think she was vice prime minister or close to it in Norway and then she went to the United Nations which is what usually happens Uh, and she just told me it's a certainty a matter of fact Then I noticed too going through the countries in Europe uh, they're all passing the same laws from their national governments about the same things at the same time but never mentioning these were international laws Uh, so I I realised we're already under a global governance and that tied right in with the writings of, of um, Professor Carl Quigley and others before him Who belonged to these big institutions who worked on this very agenda uh, Global governments, Karl Marx mentioned uh, they would amalgamate Europe first into one, one, one basic nation uh, the, the countries would become provinces and uh, you'd have a government and there'd be three trading blocks. The Americas would be next. We'll have, a, we'll have the NAFTA here, free trade ag- agreement before NAFTA. And it's still amalgamating with the whole of the Americas, by the way. And then we'd be followed by uh, a far eastern Pacific Rim re- region. Uh, for Australia, New Zealand, China would be the, do- the major dom of that region. And uh, by the way, the Royal Institute of International Affairs published a book from their, their, their meeting, their world meeting in 1937 in Melbourne, Australia, where they held it that year. And it's a fascinating book. Uh, it's a members of copy, I think. And uh, it was they published it the following year after the meeting. In the back, it has all the, the, the attendees, the uh, prime ministers and top honchos from every country involved were all there. The public knew nothing about it. Uh, yet all the top parties of even the communist parties in those countries there too They were all for world government The top bankers were present And the quotes of each statement are, are all throughout the book And it says at the beginning um, It was financed and paid for by the Rockefeller Foundation, as always And went under Chatham House rules Which is Royal role issue for international affairs Meaning uh, they could tell so much to the public But not to, to tell them the greater details of, of their agendas they said at that time, 37, there's an upcoming war uh, with Germany. It As will you're happen. Explaining
0: this, uh, this, this kind of uh, paradigm, how you have these uh, these people that wind up in uh, positions of power that wind up going to the UN. That's what happened to our former prime minister. Helen Clark, she became Prime Minister here, then she got the third highest paying job at the UN. And then you talked about how uh, laws would be implemented globally, but people wouldn't be told that they're happening on globally. Well, we had this big incident here in New Zealand called uh, the terror raids where the police blocked off a town. They surveilled like 2,000 people or or something like that. That is absolutely unbelievably huge story. But it happened in 18 different countries at the same time. And then yes. you talk about how the, uh, the, the governance of, uh, the... Uh, European Union would be set up, and they knew about this back in the 70s. And then the American um, uh, governance is going to be set up under NAFTA. And now the Oceania region is being set yep. up through something called the TPPA, the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement. That's and right. then you talked about how finance is all connected and, 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 and at these big meetings that set up and plan and, and uh, implement this agenda. Well, our current prime minister is John Key, who used to work on the board of the Federal Reserve in New York for two years as the head of the European Bond and Derivatives Trade. He was actually one of the people who was instrumental in setting up the derivatives trade, which was one of the primary causes of the 2008 financial collapse, the exact same year, by the way, where he was elected in New Zealand to save us from the financial collapse that he helped cause.
1: Yeah, and you'll find most of them, too, all all have worked and started off with Goldman Sachs. They're the the banker to the world. Uh, The the governor of Canada, of our Bank of Canada, Mr. Carney, just got put in as the head of the Bank of England. So he's moved over to England now. It's musical chair time because we are global. Uh, A clique owns the money supply of the world. They have the rights to print each country's money up and and, uh, tax it all back from the public. We're just the guarantors for debt. That's all we are. And um, again a very old it's a Don't forget that uh, Charles Galton Darwin uh, The descendant of Charles Darwin he, he was a physicist Who worked on the Manhattan Project In his book uh, in the 1950s He put out um, The next million years by the way He said about, about the future And how the same elite would rule it And, and society they'd bring in Getting back to talking about women look, Looking sometimes masculine He said we shall alter the hormonal chemistry In the male to make him more passive and it will have a different effect on the women who become more, more assertive and aggressive. Uh, and sure enough, uh, in the 1960s, uh, in the medical books, it came out for the first time. they'd suddenly noticed, that didn't happen in evolution, suddenly noticed that women's hips were getting narrower all the time. And that's when they started cesarean sections more often. So physically, we're getting re-engineered back then. And Charles Scott and Darwin also says we can put it in their water supply, in their food, or even inject it with them, or uh, inject substances which would alter their hormonal chemistry. This is stuff that you don't get this from a top global player like Charles Galton Darwin, uh, high up there in and, 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 uh, even the physics world. Uh, he also said, too, by the way, we, we are in the process, and he was talking on, on behalf of the top elite eugenicists that, that also have charge of, of these programs. He said, uh, we are now in the process of creating a a, a new form of slavery, he said. This is, there's always been slavery in one form or another. We're now in the process of creating a new form of slavery, a more sophisticated form of slavery. This is where it all ends up to be. But getting back to that book on uh, the future of the British Empire, uh, it's to be taken over by America after this war that was coming up. They said in 1937, in the book, it would be very fortunate if Japan were to attack America and bring them into this war. They knew what was going to happen. They said down the road, they said, we shall build up China to be a main player. And once America is exhausted as the world policeman, China will take over. So we're living through a script, you understand. You understand.
0: This is what's happening today, isn't it? The Chinese hold uh, an enormous amount of U.S. dollars in reserve. They could just dump them and overnight the entire U.S. economy would be worth virtually nothing. And people would be able to come in and buy up the entirety of the United States for pennies on the dollar, I'd say. It's
1: actually happening. China's buying big chunks of the U.S. Uh, And you already had that happening in parts of Latin America They're buying land for debt swaps. Uh, That was all originated by the World Bank. By the way, the World Bank, the Bank for International Settlements, and the IMF, and the World Trade Organization are all created and run by the Royal Institute for International Affairs, a private organization.
0: Well, that's interesting, because the Chinese are also buying a large quantity of farmland here in New Zealand as well. What yes. I found interesting is that the argument for uh, private investment and that, that kind of thing, you know, might make sense. The problem is nations, with criminal bankers at the, at the behest of them, are buying up the land of other nations. So when you actually start drawing the borders about who owns what, who controls what, it'll actually get to the point where, hmm, there isn't any countries anymore. corporations well, that, are that, everything, that's the whole including the government. Up.
1: Well, that, that's, that's the whole thing, getting back to Karl Marx. He said, eventually, you have the withering away of the state. And this was picked up by the same organization that you thought were fascist or right-wing that owned all the cash, the Royal Institute for International Affairs. Uh, so, uh, you, you find this one organization created both systems, ran both systems, still do, by the way. And, um, and it all planned. You, you need the dialectic approach to get change moving. One thing on its own, a culture that's steady, uh, it's called stagnant. If you have opposition to that culture, the dialectic, then you can get negotiations, arguments going, and, and out of that comes resolution or change. And that's how they, they guide us down through the ages. Yeah.
0: It's been happening for a long time. Now, that begs another question. Bloodlines. If this agenda has actually been implemented all the way through history, are we talking about a generational sort of uh, 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 family of enslavers that, that throughout history have existed in the background? Or are we talking about a bunch of psychopaths that just figured out what was done in the past in order to control and enslave people and decided they'd give it a go over a longer period of time so that they'd actually be successful where all the rest of the people failed?
1: Yeah. Well, we've always had, going way back in the thousands of years, this problem to do with money, wealth, and again, they say that all wars basically are economical wars for power, for a group to have power. Uh, you only had uh, one group allowed to use usury all through the Catholic era for a long time, except for the Knights Templars. And so money is power. You live in a physical world. Money is a substitute for many things. As well as a means of exchange But those who control Not just the, the issuing of money But what value it's going to have Today, tomorrow or next year And these guys do uh, Then it's a complete con It's a racket uh, And um, you can't One day you, you, you get a, a sack of oats uh, Weighing a weight for one coin and, and, and next week it could be I want five for the, today Uh, But that makes no sense at all. I mean, barter, for instance, was always negotiation between two people for one thing. Uh, Today, it's out of your hands. The guys who have created the private uh, reserves, the the, the banks for countries, uh, and it's all secret who owns them and so on, the big shareholders, Um, they run the world and they set up their system because these guys are taught from childhood a completely different history from you they get access to archives if they've been tested and found not to be a blabbermouth, because all the children, by the way, are tested in the elite groups. And and they, they get a complete overview of how it really is and how it must remain. Uh, you'll find even with people like Legaldus Huxley talking in his documentaries, and if you go into Alan Watt cutting through the Matrix archives, You'll hear the Berkeley talk that he gave and, and the, and the Mike Wallace talks as well. The links were there. He uh, he, You could see the man is thinking in two different methods, one for the public and one from what he knew, what he could say and what he couldn't say. But he warned of it. He said it's not too difficult now for a, a small scientific elite to take over uh, the, the whole world's cultures. And run it in their own direction to suit themselves. He was talking from experience because he took part in these world meetings with his brother, Julian Huxley, who worked at the United Nations. So we're going through, as I say, a very old script. Uh, it's intergenerational, no doubt about it. If you go into some of the organizations that sprung up, uh, and got into the media, at least or into books, uh, like, uh, the Caesar Rhodes Society, for world revolution For taking over resources How to cause revolutions How to promote something called democracy uh, Then uh, it's very old indeed But he also said too uh, Cecil Rhodes In his own writings and his will and so on because He left all his money by the way To Lord Rothschild uh, He said um, He said that We'll use uh, techniques And be a form of a secret society Much like the Jesuit system So they copied the techniques of Jesuitism and Winston Churchill, at one point, in, during World War II, uh, was out of the loop, actually. Because uh, he was a drunk, he was a front man and all the rest of it. And he, he could like to yap, you know. And uh, he was kind of out of the loop. And he found something out. And in Parliament, he said, he said, we don't know the name of this organization. There are different names like Lord Alfred Milner Group, the Round Table Society, different names that was going around, but no definitive group. Uh, and, um, he said, he said, I've just found out they exist, he says, and they write, he says, not only are they behind many of the wars, he said, he said, um, they're also writing the school book histories for the children with, with a different account, you see. Uh, this is in 19, this is in the war. And sure enough, uh, that came out with Professor Carl Quigley who, who was a personal historian for the Council on Foreign Relations in the American branch. Uh, he got into the archives. He took over from Alfred Zimmerman. Alfred Zimmerman by the way was, a, was the communist leader <laughs> and so they don't care about communism and he actually says that in the book we don't care who we bring in because they run them all you see dictators communists uh, fascists Right wing, whatever.
0: Yep. See, see, they pull the wool over the eyes of everybody, even the people that, that work for them that know what's going on. It's like there's no loyalty, only betrayal and scumbaggery. I remember when Winston Churchill was, dr- was uh, drunk walking through the streets one night. An old lady said, Mr. Churchill, you're drunk. And he said, Yes, madam, but you're ugly. And tomorrow, yeah. I will be sober. And we'll be right back after the break at the Venus Venice- Churchill.
1: You're listening to the future of talk.
0: Freedom Radio. This is American Freedom Radio. Shot on Americanfreedomradio.com dot com, my very special guest is Alan Watt. Brighter than a hundred watts, and he has shed some light, indeed, on some very very strange comeback right now. I wanted to turn the conversation, if I might be so forward, towards the elite breeding programs. This is a topic that I've only heard you uh, uh, speak about a couple of times. I haven't been able to research further up on it. But when I say the words elite breeding programs to the layman, what are they?
1: Well, basically, you have to go into history again uh, of all cultures. And you, you'll find that you, uh, when you come into what this thing called civilization, this is a key to it, civilization, which is uh, a system with writing, uh, at money, in some form or another, this money, uh, which is not easy for the average person to get a hold of in its raw form, like gold, silver, whatever. Combined. In other words, you're, you're, uh, the mind expands with, with, with education. So you need a leisure class to begin with. So you, you, you get a leisure class either at the very beginning by conquering other peoples, living like a king, and then you get your advisors who have nothing to do except study, learn, and advise. So that's how it really starts off. you bring in the money with it. And, of course, to maintain their, their system, they must force everyone else to use their money. This goes way back even to the Spartan Wars I mean, for about 100 years the Phoenicians uh, have been taking over country after country, and the Phoenicians have different names down through time. But um, they, they were forcing at that time silver their silver standard coin uh, onto other countries. If they didn't accept it, they'd, they'd get another country, a powerful one, into debt. Part of the paying off the debt was to go to war with the country that wouldn't accept your money. And they also, by the way, in, in the treaties that they made, uh, acquired all their slaves for their mines. They had mines as far as the Ural Mountains, by the way. And uh, they worked it out that the average slave could, could work, I think, a life would, would get at least a quarter or to a gram of gold and then they'd die because they went through so many, there's no safety standards in those days. But getting back to the point, they had war after war and uh, they were taking over uh, the, the ancient world big time and using other countries to do it. And lending themselves to those countries to keep a wealthy elite living in luxury who would always back them. The elite, by the way, always worked with these wealthy merchants and and lenders. Always, right down through the middle ages, by the way, and of all European countries right up to the present. Uh, it was the ordinary peasants that seemed to become a different species to both. Uh, And they still talk about this today. Now, power marries money. Uh, you, you don't want a, a wife who's scrubbing the floors if, if you're a multimillionaire with, with a lot of status and so on. And so you'll, a man would marry or get arranged marriage through the priesthoods of all kinds, by the way, um, in all countries. Uh, they'd, mar- they'd match up someone with appropriate wealth from a dynasty that had men in it who fought and were generally pretty cruel, uh, tyrants if you like. And out of that, you'd have a, another class of children, pretty well uh, like that. Their parents, they'd have they'd have the the, the traits of uh, psych- psychopathy in a sense, uh, ruthlessness, determination, uh, incredible greed, uh, and etc. But you'd also create. what well, you also created two to take care of this from the money perspective, because you you were really on top. The money boys are always on top. Is you would supply their advisors. Uh, because the kings and queens never knew a darn thing so their advisors uh, today we have the same thing around prime ministers prime ministers or any politician they know nothing any more than the average person in the street about politics until they get into it even then they're made minister of finance minister of, of housing they've been lawyers in some of their capacity before generally uh, and so they're dependent on the bureaucrats who are specially selected, and they've been there for years. They know each one knows their. their, their they write all the scripts up from them, along with the script writers, etc. The script writers who are international now uh, know the international agenda. Uh, they don't. Many of them uh, work in different, all countries, in fact, or some of the countries, not just the country that you think they're in. And they're writing the global agenda. They have been for years and years and years. So information is power. You make sure that everything comes out, must come through the script writers. Uh, presidents and prime ministers now have been puppets for a hundred years now. That's all, that's all they are. They're front men. They they take the rotten tomatoes when it's time for them to get them out and get new guys in. And, um, and they stick to their scripts. That's what they're told to do. Photo ops sell them. Uh, and fake uh, domestic stories about you know nice family photographs that they, they fake up for. The, we don't we don't know them at all, uh, but so they play the game and they're well rewarded for it for sure. So these are these are really old old techniques, you understand. And uh, but money is power. Some people remember in the past uh, and top arranged families etc. To make sure your offspring are the same. If you're a Rothschild, you pretty well guarantee your child's going to be a banker, to an, an international banker, and big scale. Uh, so uh, you're pretty well secure in that, whereas most European people, for instance, uh, 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 you'll find, uh, or British people even, uh, the parents don't do high investment in the education of their children. The elite do. They make sure they've got the best education money they can buy, special schooling, and they get side schooling as well into the real world, how it really works, by, by, by private tuitions, pri- private tutors. So... Getting back to, to, to uh, I think it was uh, Lord Bertrand Russell, he said the guy who was given permission to work with all these top groups like the Frankfurt School to change, destroy culture, bring in the new global society, he said uh, that eventually the ruling elite, and I think he actually meant it was already there, the way he said it, he said we'll become a separate species from the rest. I think that's happened. It's been here for a long time like this. So we're given one reality We grow up trying to get by, we think we've got a good education, we run for the carrot when we leave school or college or whatever, and you find you're not going to get it, because things don't work that way. The psychopathic types run up the ladder, they're noticed by the big organisations, they pluck them out and use them. Uh, and that's how it's really always been, unfortunately, in a monetary system where money is the reward. Money gives you security because we all have fear of, of things, same things. Poverty, no shelter, no clothing, no heat, no food, uh, uh, sickness without friends. With Money buys all of that. So all, all your basic fears are gone. Now, you can imagine being born to a family where you've never had even the thought of those basic problems. They have a completely different overview of themselves, their families, the world, how it really runs. And your mind can really expand when all these wars, all these worries have gone from you. You don't have them anymore. You're, they don't care about who they're going to get matched up with, by the way, for, for weddings. As long as they have the child as an offspring, the guy can have his little affairs on the side. So can the woman, by the way, as long as she doesn't have a child by someone unauthorized outside the marriage. That's why that you've always had royal abortionists straight to the present time, by the way. Not just for the royal, the main royalty, but all the cousins and queens, because they all have titles to the throne. If so many of them could would die, they all have, uh, the royal abortionists go round and take care of all the little problems they have. And that's in all cultures as well. So today you have an international elite. Uh, they've seated themselves around the world for a long time. Uh, they run China. Uh, they run all the countries. Uh, don't don't think that China is doing taking over this country or that country. China is also financed by the same financiers, uh, who also run all their bookkeeping systems for them and, and management systems because the Chinese didn't know how to do it at all. Uh, and under the under the guise of oh it's China it's a nation that is buying this, there are big private corporations. Uh, international corporations who are really behind it and who own uh, the big plants and so on in China. Just as it just as happened in the Soviet Union, it was exactly the same. Everything is a fraud out there, basically.
0: I, I see no difference. And, and why don't people wake up to this? Well, because they've still got those same brilliant techniques of making sure that you're educated to believe contrary to anything that is the truth.
1: They've done many studies. I've read them on the air, in fact, when they come out of Harvard or wherever. And they found out that the higher education that you have, uh, especially if you come from a a higher middle class family, um, uh, you you will, you want the the peer pressure to belong to the status group you are in, the higher you are, uh, overcomes any thinking against the negative or the negativity you see against your, your own indoctrination So they're the, the, the least people to to, to, uh, to ever look at the truth Or at least question it You also find that, that um, not only will they not question the truth They, they really so what, much want to belong uh, The greatest shame for them is to be, is to be tossed out or ignored From that, that particular peer group In fact, again, Lord Bertrand Russell said And, and this is where I fell into a lot of things uh, He said... Um, the brightest children, even from the, 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 the schools, from the polls, you might say, <laughs> he said, we can pick some of them out, the promise and true testing, testing. It's all fed into a centralized system. And, and this is way back in, in the 30s and 40s. And he said, he said, uh, the brightest of them must be recruited and taken from their background and their families so their culture is forgotten, brought into the hallowed halls of Eton or Cambridge or somewhere, and he, and he said, "And become one of us, and do our bidding, and reapprove, but never have contact with where he came from, and so on." He said, "If such a child exists with has ability to figure such a thing out, he bec- he may become a a, a a spokesperson with the gifts and abilities in the future that will go against us. Therefore, he said, we must eliminate him." That's his in, his, own, his own book, by the way.
0: So let me get this straight. They want the best and the brightest to work for them, but not bright enough so that they can figure out who they're really working for.
1: Oh, never. That. In fact, even the Royal Institute for International Affairs has a, an outer party and an inner party. That's what George Orwell was talking about in his book, 1984. And Professor Carl Quigley goes through this. The outer party uh, is all built on faith. You'll get up the ladder. Do what you're told that a system is good. And uh, never ask any questions from a superior. If you don't understand something, simply obey. Very much like Freemasonry, in fact. And you find that uh, uh, the the upper party belongs to All Souls College for Life in Oxford. That's called the Inner Party. And Lord Alfred Milner planned the Boer Wars and the Rhodesian Wars and the takeovers. They also planned for many years in the late 1800s for for World War I uh, there too. And quickly, quickly! remember, he's their personal historian. He said that they've been behind all the wars in the 20th century and still ones to come. So he said it was time that the public knew this. And he actually thought the public were so dumbed down by then and would accept being run by experts and authoritarians that he said it was time the public could, could publish this. But he was mistaken because they published his books Then they broke his place when they realized he said too much. The Anglo-American Establishment is a fantastic book to read. Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm sorry. Have any of these people actually been brought to justice before? I mean, if, let's say a, a member of a large, very highly involved family uh, being exposed for some sort of crime and the family being shunned in the media or something of that nature.
1: The only one you've actually had uh, was was it King Edward abdicated in England and married American woman, multimillionaires? It wasn't just because of her, actually. uh, That was a a good cover story and so on. It's because he had shared ideas with Germany and and, uh, at least the ideas of the world was being taken over uh, by what he called communist revolutionaries, which were working for a much higher power. The top communist revolutionaries, by the way, way above Lenin, and all these guys, who planned it all and so on, are all multimillionaires right into the, the present day. Are billionaires, multi-billionaires, maybe even more. So that's why he he got out, and uh, in a way, it was being shunned. But the deal was struck. If he'd said any any more, he'd have been he'd have had an accident. You know, you know.
0: accidents happen more often than not. I've found.
1: There's no doubt about that, yeah. No, no doubt whatsoever about that. I mean, when Bill Clinton was in, people were dying all around him. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. People were dying all all around, They even found in the grounds dead and so on. Uh, and um, Bill Clinton was put in by the big boys. I mean, uh, Arkansas was famous for the, the, the drugs getting brought in and by, by the plane loads, and he was in that deal when he was a governor. Many good videos have been put out there in exposes about investigations. Not, not conspiracy stuff, it's validated fact. And they put the right man in the job, you know, he would do what he was told, he enjoyed the, the, the role playing. He was a good psychopath, definitely a good psychopath, absolutely. And I could lie to the public without a blink, you know, and, uh, he had no conscience whatsoever. But, and a bit of an actor, all, all psychopaths are a bit of an actor. In fact, the best ones are, are, are awfully charming. Incredibly charming. And uh, that's sort a of gift. It's sort a of gift that they have because they don't feel the same emotions, uh, but, they, but they watch and study other people's emotions in different situations so they know how to put it on and really put it on too lavishly.
0: Yeah, mm. It's kind of like you're dealing with a creature that only sees through, let's say, a beam of light. Mm-hmm. And so what you do in order to ensure that that creature can't even see you is you put a mirror in front of you. And every time the creature moves its head, you move the mirror with it. All that yeah. creature starts to see is the mirror. You use itself to deceive itself. Then you get to use the creature for whatever means you want.
1: Pretty much so. You're a human
0: Pretty being. So. You're uh, the creature. So they're the before, one with the I've mirror.
1: A uh, and uh, I've heard people before. I've, I've met psychopaths, as I see in, in, in the different businesses and so on. And they're awfully good. And I've seen them work on people, and that person will tell you it's as though when you were voicing your concerns to them, you felt like you were the only person in the world, and this person's complete attention was all about you and around you. That's, that's, that's how you come away from them, the experience with them. Uh, and and it's, they are like different creatures. Actually, the, the manipulative psychopath is incredible, and that's an awful gift they have. This, they don't have to sit and look at, work out a plan to work on you. They read you almost by uh, telepathy. You might say, I'm mean, kind of joking there, but maybe not. Who knows? But they can read you and all your body gestures. Or any, any, anything in your face at all, like a book. They know you. Yeah.
0: Which is why they're so good at swiping your ideas, uh, starting defamation campaigns, and destroying people's lives to protect themselves from exposure. We'll be right back. News and information you can trust. This is American Freedom Radio. Freedom, freedom, American Freedom Radio. Radio. American Freedom Radio. Don't me driving and I won't Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It is now the final segment. Uh displeasing as it might be for me. I think I think it's been like nearly uh, nearly two years trying to get you on the show, Alan. You've been a very, very yeah. busy man.
1: I, I had to uh, um on RBN I was doing a one man band, basically. And yet to cover the whole world's news, I get 500 links a day. And, and I'd start uh, early in the morning. Uh, I'd rush through the whole day pretty well stuck to the chair, right through into the show starting at 8 p.m. Eastern and finishing at 9. And then after it was, it was broadcast, I'd also upload it to my site. So I had to cut out the commercials and so on. I'd get to bed and upload that by satellite slow so i get to bed at two in the morning hour that's when it's finished yeah so i had no t- i'd eventually cut out all uh, other shows and i've got hundreds of guest shows i shelved but i've i've got back to them now and this way i have more time to finish off the things i should be doing anyway because you can read the daily news it simply it reinforces everything you already know the agenda's is well underway we're already completely global um Society is now brought to a stage where a lot of it, and more so in other countries than in some countries and others, is completely dysfunctional. Uh, uh, the big boys can then point round, which they're doing. They're doing under the guise in the use of anti-terrorism too everywhere. That uh, they point out, you yeah, have murder, mayhem, rape, pillage, and plunder all over the place in some countries. Uh, you can't handle yourself. You need an authoritative, an authoritative system. I've been saying this for years. I'm glad mainstream talk show hosts have caught on to that and using it all. And um, a- and this falls right into the system because the Club of Rome, which is the, one of the top think tanks for the, the the big boys, came out in the 1970s with a book on, on the future and the plan for the United Nations and the world and the, the World Bank and so on. And they said that uh, democracy would never work. Now, they knew that before they gave us a term, democracy. Uh, and people think it's always been here, but it's not, it hasn't. Up to World War One. the average man in Britain didn't have the vote, by the way. Never mind woman. He didn't have the vote if he didn't own property. Uh, so, I mean... And even then, what you do, they, they, they give you the guys to vote for. You don't know them, you'll never meet them. They belong to a party. And then they said, we, we can't represent you. Well, we can't do what our constituents want. I have to go with the party. So what's the point in having one. But again, the Club of Rome said, therefore, because there's so many com, com, uh, conflicting and competing uh, special interest groups today, and image made sure we got them all, by the way, it said democracy would never work. Therefore, we have to train the public into an authoritarian system. And that's who you've been trained with today, uh, and especially with the use of anti-terrorism and so on, uh, you're noticing just authoritative measures being rolled out like crazy, and the people are adapting. Like like you know Darwin said that to survive you adapt. Most folk adapt without even consciously thinking through things; they just simply accept it. And uh, and we're adapt. We've already adapted through all the, the airport ridiculousness, nonsense, travelling, and all that. That's all normal now. Everything, everything is weird, objective, about becomes normalized quite quickly. And uh, everyone, by the way, in a totalitarian type system, which this must be uh, an authoritative system under the Club of Rome's rules, the United Nations rules and so on, everyone must be completely predictable. And that means complete data collection daily. And they have it all now. It's all here. Yeah.
0: It's... Uh like we're reacting, is is it a Pavlovian response, you know, stimulus and then action?
1: That's partly it too. Uh, you can do the most drastic things to societies with the most pleasant face, you know, or, or the most reasonable sounding, if it's marketed properly to you, uh, reasons for doing it. Uh, and we adapt to that too. Uh, fear is a fantastic method of taking all rights away. Every tyrant in Rome used that. Uh, we've got to protect you. Uh, and then you end up getting uh, searched and groped and all the rest of the airports. So, yeah, people give up pretty well everything. And by the way, after 9-11, that was the first thing all major media and, news, and, and newscasters were doing, going around the streets, selecting certain people. They only get the selected ones that they want like shown on television. Are you willing to give up your freedom for security? Uh, the oldest thing in the book, is we're doing all these uh, world surveys, and and most folk were, oh, yeah, okay, okay, you know. So, um here you are what can you do you're locked in people adapt to it no one wants to stick their heads up it is true that some, some people say and understand this optimistic part if we all just stop going to work tomorrow if we all just stop for a week using gasoline you see the, the prices plummet for instance and and the, the big boys would have to turn around and take note of you and, and say what is what on earth do you want uh, but you can never, and they you know this too, you can never get the public to come together for something major together. It doesn't happen. You find that with unions too, you get the scabs going through uh, and, and, and breaking it. Uh, you'll never get the public. They count on that. In fact, they sow the dissension amongst the people, uh, decision-making time. Uh, this is it's old, old arts, very, very well understood and, and used. Yeah.
0: What if your entire campaign... Was predicated upon explaining the system that they're going to discredit and derail you with, so that any attempt to discredit or der- derail you is something everybody can easily identify
1: and ignore. Well, once again, you won't get to the, the, the commonality amongst the public.
0: Well, That's again, the education element. Imagine the uh, if the whole yeah. world
1: and, and, and what you I have listened to
0: your radio show for a couple of years.
1: Yeah. You, you see here's the thing again the big boys don't sit back and let anything happen by itself uh, they give you the heroes to follow by the way down through history uh, and they, they make sure that there's someone to speak for you just like a politician that's all he is someone they put in front of pretending to speak for you same thing he says he talks language You understand that he's my guy and that's how it works um, so they understand human nature perfectly perfectly well Again, Orwell put that out in his book, 1984, uh, where Winston, uh, the the guy, is set up by the very guy who ends up torturing him to to join a resistance movement. Uh, And they've been at it forever. uh, And and power must be maintained. It's maintained by fear and finding out who is questioning the system. And they give you the leads to follow. You follow the leads. You join the agencies or you think you're joining some rebellious movement. And in fact... You're being led up the garden path by. They don't let things happen. We're the, the world is so well infiltrated by thousands of people. Now you have all that the data collection, collection characters. People can't talk on the phone. You know today. It doesn't matter how many times you tell them. It doesn't matter how many shows I've listened to. They can't talk on on the phone to you if they phone you or email you without saying things, but that, that perhaps they shouldn't say. This personal detail they, they don't think oh it's not happening to me yeah it's happening to everybody folks you know we've all profiled we've all got virtual the pentagon and I read the article in the, they have a virtual everybody in, in a computer at the pentagon they collect the data daily from your, all your facebook your emails your chats everything and your phone calls and they add that daily to the virtual you they then run programs on the virtual you to see how you'd respond in different situations. And they say it's pretty well 100% accurate. That's how it'll work in real life. They have us, everyone's pegged. Does this mean the situation is hopeless? It's, it's almost hopeless. Uh, what you used to have... See, once culture, something to hold... That's why people used to have rebellions in the past. It wasn't for a revolution, for something new. Uh, rebellions are protesting a sudden change in custom, and the king would put more taxes out in a direction or something, and you 'd rebel against that because you want to go back to the way it was that 's what rebellions are, but even for rebellion, you needed a common culture common cultures are pretty well for most folk, not for all have been destroyed you see and and so you don 't have as much in common with with people next door as you thought you might have in fact. Uh, one time, the H.G. Wells said it and different ones said it too. they got to destroy the family unit. Marx said it as well, and so did um, Lennon. Uh, and so, by the way, did Albert Pike and many others uh, destroy the family unit because in the past, uh, the average guy and woman would uh, be married at one time. They'd have children. That was the purpose of it all, to keep the perpetuity of the species and all that. And uh, and you'd have things in common uh, with all those around you. And when things were going to hit the family, for instance, they stand together in masses. And that's what came against local councils and national governments and so on. It's when you had that kind of commonality. When you destroy the, the commonality, uh, you can't get that kind of of support from people to stay together uh, for something that's going to help them. And it just doesn't happen.
0: Is that why they always kill the people? That uh, tell everybody to love together in peace and harmony.
1: That's correct. And, and, and then they'll also tell you, absolutely. I mean, don't forget there's a double speak here that works awfully well as part of the technique. Uh, many folk think the United Nations is a wonderful organization. They don't realize United Nations ran the Cold War. It was a referee between the NATO countries, which they drafted the charter up for. And that's their military wing and the Warsaw Pact countries. Neither side could do anything to the other without the UN's permission. It ran both sides. It was all fake. It's
0: all a very rational plan if you're a completely insane psychopath. Wouldn't you agree? Suddenly, the world being crazy doesn't seem so crazy at all. It's just a world being run by crazy people, actually. Everybody else, like you and me... We might be just as sane as anybody that uh, could ever be qualified as sane as a spectrum of normality. But at the end of the day, it ain't us that really make all the decisions. It ain't us that kill all the good people in society. It's them, and they must be exposed. There must be a glimmer of hope. Alan Watt, thank you so much for your time. I hope we'll do it again in another two years. Check it out, ladies and gentlemen. Cutting through the matrix. Thank you very much. We'll We'll see you again sometime.